had a new house and everything else is coming in. A little uh, hurricane or a tornado blew it away. Yes, we have horn. Yeah, we have tornadoes. In I, I know. My we don't wife have from Arkansas. We don't have hurricanes. No, okay. I know. I had I had the hurricane. Yeah, that you came have. To my you house. have hurricanes. Um, yeah, last April, uh, Carrie and I lost our uh, house in a tornado. We lost our dad's house. He lives two doors down from us. And uh, we lost my dad's uh, girlfriend's house. So we've spent the last eight months rebuilding houses. Houses. Um, Plural. So, yeah, I mean, everybody, everybody kind of, uh, you know, had the impression that, oh, well, you know, he's just rebuilding his house. But, and that's a big deal. But I, I, actually, we, were, we did three of them. So, right. I mean, that's like hell times three. That's right. Okay. Because, and, you know, I say that jokingly, but we, uh, we, you know, we had never thought about building a house. Never, you know, that was just, that wasn't anything that was kind of on, uh, on our radar. But when, uh, when the one that you had was picked it up, you know, was picked up and turned just a little bit and you could see daylight at the roof and you could see daylight at the floor. Well, that's, you know, a pretty good time to uh, build another one. So... But you know, things change. In his situation, his location, a house changed. But the same thing happens with fishing, doesn't yeah. it? There's always changes. So um, I really like to get, get this, these guys pumped up. So let's put it together for K-Pink. Kevin Short, are you tough enough, buddy? Thank you, guys. You know, one of the... Uh, how many of you guys and ladies fish tournaments in here? Lots of us. Okay. All of us at one time or another have gone to a tournament that we knew was just absolutely going to suck. We knew the bite was going to be tough. We knew it wasn't going to take a lot of weight to win. I mean, we, you know, we were then, and I, hey, I promise you, we all left the house thinking, man, I hope I just get a bite, you know, or I hope I just catch a limit. That's all. Just, just five fish. That's all I want. All right. I mean, we've all done that. Um, growing up in the South, I mean, that's, that's pretty common for us from the middle of June until the middle of September. I mean, a lot of, uh, a lot of our fishing down there in the heat of the summer gets extremely tough. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, we still have tournaments in July and August. So that's one of those things that you have to deal with. Um, and one of the things that, uh, one of the things that I figured out when I, when I first started fishing tournaments, started fishing local, uh, you know, and, and regional tournaments is I would really struggle from, I would do really well in January, February, maybe up till the middle of March till the fish got on the beds. Okay, from the time that the fish got on the beds until the time that they came off and really got set up in their summer, I mean, I would just be worthless. I mean, when it was so stinking easy that all you had to go, all you had to do was go down the bank with a spinnerbait or a Cinco or whatever, I couldn't catch my butt with both hands. Okay, I mean, I, you know, guys would be hauling in like 20 pounds and I'd have 10. I mean, I just, you know, it would really frustrate me. And then, you know, when it came to bed fishing, it just, you know, the, the guys would just whack them. Because that was typically, if you did the, the big sacks in the, you know, in, in Arkansas, you'd either catch a huge sack before they got on the beds, January, early February, pre-spawn, or would have a period there in March, April in most of the lakes, especially the clear water lakes, where guys would catch huge sacks when the fish were actually up there spawning. And I never figured, I mean, that just, you know, I just never figured that out. But I knew when I was fishing those, those little local and regional tournaments, I knew that if I could just make it till the middle of June, from the middle of June until the middle of September, maybe even into late September, when it got tough, I knew I could catch them then. Okay. Over the years, I mean, I kind of got to, I got to thinking about that and figuring out why. Okay. Why, what made that time of the year 
So, I mean, what, why was that in my wheelhouse, so to speak, okay? This is what, uh, this is what I've come up with. Of course, what, make, you know, what makes it tough? Well, in central Arkansas, most of the time, what makes it tough is the weather. And when you're, and you're talking, oh, sweet. I've always wanted to play with one of these. What do you do with it? This right here in central Arkansas and, and a lot of the south, this right here, extreme temperatures, specifically extreme heat is what makes it tough. I mean, I, you know, I've seen water temperatures in the upper 90s, 98, 99, a lot. Okay? It's hot. It's tough to get a bite. I mean, really, fish are, fish are real lethargic. Man, they are not. And that's one of those things, you know, you guys are used to deal with the other extreme of this a lot more when it gets really cold, okay? Well, the same thing happens to fish. You know, when it gets really cold, man, it's like they just, I mean, they just don't move that much. Same thing happens on the flip side, okay? They don't move that much, but the thing that you have going in your favor when it's extremely hot, those fish still, their metabolism is working so much faster, they have to eat, okay? I mean, they, they, you know, they're, you know, they're uh, cold-blooded. So when that water's hot, man, they're, I mean, they're burning through calories. They have to eat. Okay, that's why a lot of times in the summertime, you get those extreme heat temperatures, and you catch fish, they're real thin. Okay, I mean, they, they you know, they need to eat because they're burning up, burning through calories so fast. But it's so hot, they don't. They're just not real active. Um, you know, obviously drought and flood and then post-frontal, those all are, are uh, weather conditions that make a bite tough. Angler pressure, um, you know, for you, for you guys that fish up here in the Northeast, I mean, I know the, the first, probably one of the first tournaments that I've fished in the true Northeast was on the upper Chesapeake Bay. It was an open several years ago and there was, I don't know, it seemed like there was 2,673 boats on the water, okay? The boat made it worse is it was extremely cold. It was early in the year. I want to say it was maybe late March, uh, middle of March maybe, somewhere in there. Water was extremely cold, no grass growing, and everybody was just piled in on top of each other. And, I, I mean, I, I was just shocked at how close guys would get to you while they were fishing, okay, while I was fishing, okay? And I, I mean, in, if that happened on, say, Gunnersville or Kentucky Lake, I mean, there would have been some people get shot if they got that close, okay? I mean, it just doesn't, you know, it doesn't happen down there. But I mean, you guys, you know, a lot of you guys are used to having that many boats in that small of an area, and it, hey, somehow it works. Uh, but angler pressure, obviously, can make a, uh, a bite tough and, you know, fish, fishery issues, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, a lot of times on river systems, you'll see, you'll see that uh, a river system will, will lose whole year classes of fish due to floods, okay? They'll have a couple of years. We see this on the Arkansas River, the Red River, uh, quite frequently. You'll have, um, you know, you'll have a, a couple of different years there where the fish the shad just won't spawn very successfully because of high water, okay? That can make a, uh, a fishery tough. How do you make this thing move? Down, left, right, up? Bottom, okay. So, what do you gotta do? Well, you just gotta deal with it, okay? Just like the Nike ad, just do it. That's, I mean, you know, if you're gonna fish tournaments, if you're gonna go fish, and, and a lot of times, you know, maybe you don't fish tournaments, maybe you just have to go fishing. Maybe you, only, you, know, maybe you work Monday through Friday, you get to go fishing on Saturday. Saturday maybe is gonna be a crap day. You know, it's gonna be one of those days where the weather's gonna be no good, it's the day after a front, high bluebird skies, you know it's gonna be a tough bite. Here's some things that you need to keep in mind. The most important thing is right here at the top, and these are listed in, 
in my mind, these are listed in the order of importance, okay? Attitude is the most important, okay? Having a good attitude, having a positive attitude can make a world of difference in your success in anything, not, not just fishing, but in anything. Um, you know, when, um, when, we lost, when we lost our house this spring, it would have been real, it would have been very easy for me to pick the phone up and call Trip and say, you know what, Trip, I'm just going to take the rest of the year off. Just, you know, just, just count me out for the rest of the year. It would have been very, very easy to do that. Okay, that would have been, that would have been the easiest thing. Because then all I, all I would have had to concentrate on was, you know, putting my life, putting my house back together. All right. That's, I mean, that's not the kind of guy I am. All right. I just, I just don't do it that way. And it, um, I mean, I've always, I've always thought that any kind of obstacle that gets between you and where you want to be is just something to make you a better person, regardless of what kind of obstacle, you know, what kind of obstacle it is. House wiped out by a tornado. Pfft. Never like to lay out on a house anyway. Screw it. You know, I got a house now that is laid out exactly like I want. You know, I've got a garage now. And I had, a, you know, we had a garage before, but this is a house that was built in the 60s. You know, I couldn't put a boat in that garage. Well, now I got to, you know, it's amazing how things work out. Now I've built a garage big enough I can put a boat in. You know, I don't have to keep my boat across the street, down the hill, you know, in my shop. So, hey, I got no complaints. You know, I'm, you know, I, I'm sleeping in, uh, in a brand new house, and it's, it's all good. But it would have been very easy on April the 29th to call Trip and say, you know what, I'm done. I got other things to do, but I didn't do that. So, attitude is extremely that's why it's at the top of the list. That is the most important thing in, and, and not just, you know, not just fishing, but that is the most important thing in, in my life, okay? Lure selection is gonna be the next thing, location, and then execution, okay? Attitude, PMA. I want everybody to write this down, PMA. M-A, positive mental attitude. When you leave the house in the morning and you're going to fish that tournament and you know it's going to be tough, you know it's going to be a tough bite, you're just praying that you catch a limit. Positive mental attitude. This man right here, see that? 30 biggest bass records. Yeah, well, lowest winning weight ever in an Elite Series event. <laughs> yeah, lowest winning weight ever. Isn't that a great record to have? <laughs> but you know what? I knew, I caught on Monday of that tournament, I had two bites. Caught one of them on spinnerbait about a pound and three quarters, and I had another bite flipping that I didn't set the hook on. Tuesday, didn't have a single bite. Fished, I mean, I was fishing, fishing hard, okay? <laughs> Wednesday, didn't have a single bite, okay? Actually, I think I caught, actually, I think Wednesday, I caught one big mud fish, yeah. So, but yeah, two bites, but that was enough those two bites were enough to tell me that the area that I was in, there was at least two fish there, okay? And all this other stuff that I'd done, well, I wasn't going back there, that's for sure, so I didn't get any bites. But, I mean, I knew, I mean, I, just those two bites, I knew that I could go in there 
and at least catch two fish. And as tough as it was going to be, I figured that was probably going to be way ahead of what everybody else was. Okay? It wound up, I went in there and I caught six fish. You know, I caught a lemon and cold one time. Left. Out of it. Great. Well, I wound up, and I, you know, rotated through a few other areas. And caught a fish here, caught a fish there. Problem was, the water was dry. Okay? It was, it was a slow fall on the river. And the area that I was fishing in was dropping four to six inches a day. The area that I was fishing in was only about four foot deep. Well, the next day it was only, you know, the second day of the tournament, it was only three and a half. Third day of the tournament, it was only three. So, I mean, I'm standing running out of water. What's happening is those other little areas that I've been picking off one here and one there, I couldn't even, by the end of the fourth, you know, by the fourth day, I couldn't even get in those because the water dropped out. But, I never gave up on this. Never quit the attitude because I knew if I just stayed with it, all I needed to catch was five. Okay? And that's, that's the magic number right there. Every day, every tournament, if you don't have five, typically you're not a player. Especially in tough events. In tough events, if you've got five every single day, whether it's the first day, the fourth day, whatever, if you've got five every single day, you're a player. This tournament, there was two of us out of 108 that caught five fish every single day. Two. And I'm talking about some pretty good, some pretty good hands. Okay? I mean, there was a wad of zeros. I'm talking a wad. Second time, second time ever. KVD zero. Ever. Didn't catch fish. First time was on the Arkansas River. And I darn near won that. So, hey, I want to go to rivers more often just to keep him from catching fish. Uh, but, you know, I say, that, I, I say that jokingly, but also seriously. But, it, you know, <laughs> this right here, just, you know, like, anyway. This right here is the whole thing. Uh, there we go. So, half the field, you're sitting on a, the next tough tournament that you fish, you're sitting there, you're getting ready to take off, you look around, you just, you keep in the back of your head, hey, half these guys, they're done. I got, I'm, I'm already way ahead of them, all right? Because you are thinking, I can figure out how to do this, all right? Hit me. Location. This these are, there's a few slides here that are the fastest way for you to figure out. And this, this is something that you can take to any body of water that has any kind of depth variation. Now, natural lakes, you know, where everything is just kind of a bowl shape, mm, not so much there. But any, any kind of reservoir, any kind of river system, whether it's tidal, not tidal, whatever, these are the kind of things that you look for. And the first thing that I'm going to look for, and it's the same thing that I look for uh, down here on the Delaware last summer. Never been here before, didn't know anything about it, didn't talk to anybody about it. Showed up, put my boat in Monday morning. I had looked on uh, Google Earth, and I, I knew that creeks were going to be my best option to catch fish quick as opposed to the main river, okay? Main river, like Mike talked about earlier, there's a whole lot going on out there, and there's a lot of, there's a lot of, usually on a main river situation, it comes down to key areas, key spots, key places. Those areas, spots, places take a lot of time to figure out, you know, especially for a guy who's never been here before, doesn't know anything about it. Those little areas take a long period of time to figure out, as opposed to a creek situation where everything is shrunk down, okay? So the first thing that I was looking for was channel swings. Anywhere where the creek channel made any kind of a bend. And you can see, this one's the, uh, what well, kind of screwed that up? Is it the same thing? Um, 
This is, I mean, you can see how this creek channel right here makes almost a horseshoe-shaped bend, okay? This is the kind of stuff that I'm going to, and this is all actually underwater, okay? This is in a reservoir, and it's just a creek channel that winds through this big flat. But it's the same exact thing. Where this bend, the backside of this bend, where it, where it, goes, where it comes from straight, right in this little corner right here, and on the other side where it leaves that little corner, those are the things that I'm looking for. Now, hit the next one. On the, on the Delaware, this is, I mean, this is one of those little bends right here. And the bend, the swing actually comes all the way down here and comes back, okay? Right in here, you can't hardly see it, but right here on the edges of that swing, or big laydowns. I can see this on Google Earth, okay? And I'm thinking, I like the way that looks. What I didn't realize until I got there is on the back side of this, on the flat over here on the other side, was all hydrilla growing about that, that tall. Not really big enough for the fish to use it, but big enough for the bait to use it, okay? So right here in one area, one little stretch, I got everything. I got it all. I've got cover, all these laydowns. I've got deep water, relatively deep water. Now that's another thing. Deep is all relative to where you're at, okay? A drop off could be a foot. It could be 20 foot, all relative to where you're at. Fishing river systems, a drop, you typically in a river system, a drop of one foot, two foot can be huge, depending on where in the river system they are, all right? So don't, you know, just, just because it's, it's only a one foot drop, don't let, uh, don't let that uh, mess you up. In a, in a channel back here in the back, it was uh, at high tide, it would be four, four and a half foot, feet, four to four and a half foot deep. At low tide, it would be two to two and a half foot. Now that's only a two foot swing. Well, what you have to understand, what I, honestly, what I didn't think about until I got back in here and saw it was I was so far away from the main river, so far off the main river that it kind of, it didn't cut the tide completely out, but it cut it way down because the water didn't have time to run all the way to the back of the creek and then fall all the way back out. There just wasn't enough time because it was so far away from the main river. Okay, I've seen that, and and you know this is one of those things that when I when I realized what was going on, I thought, well, sure, you know, I've seen that before on the Potomac. You know, you see the same thing, I mean, the, the same thing happens on the Delaware itself. At the mouth, the tide swing is big. You get all the way up to the, you know, to Trenton, maybe not so much. Okay, same thing's going on here. So far back up in there that there just, there was a variation in the tide, not nearly, not nearly as much. So, this, you know, this, this right here, was looking really good to me. Had depth changes, had cover, and this all this grass back in the back. I mean, that, after you got past this point, it was just solid hydrilla, all over about that tall, on the flats, dropping off into the channel. And if you just, if you, you know, I put the power poles down and just sit there, or just stand there and watch, and you'd see, you know, you'd see little shad going through there, little minnows, little bluegill, and I'm, you know. I'm looking at all this, paying attention, okay? I mean, I'm not just back there lollygagging around. You know, I'm kind of checking out what's going on. Uh, and seeing, okay, what's, you know, obviously everything else is in here. Is there something in here for the, for the fish to eat? And it was. So, location, high percentage areas, channel swings, or places that have a depth change of some sort. In a lake, I am looking for the same exact thing. When I go to a lake I've never been to before, 
or when I know it's going to be a tough bite, the first place that I go to is a creek. And in that creek, I want to find every single... If there's a, if there's a channel swing that swings tight up against the bank, you know, it, it kind of... Like uh, Cliff was talking about earlier, it's a, what, what do you call it? A uh, pinch, what would you call it? Pinch point? Pressure point. Pressure point. That's exactly, that's the same exact thing on a different scale. Okay? Anywhere that that channel swings up close to the bank is a pressure point. Because what happens is, you know, you don't think about it, but most reservoirs have some kind of current in them at some point in time. Okay? <laughs> And even though it's a huge wide creek, okay, if you've got a channel that runs through it, there is going to be more water going down that channel than there will be across the flats because there's more water in the channel than there is on the flats. So you're going to have a little bit more current on the channel side than you will on the flat side, okay? And those little swings, usually they've got sharper drops. And where those, uh, where that, you know, where that channel swings into the bank, and where it turns and leaves the bank going out, those are these spots. Lure selection on tough days. I like to keep it simple. Okay, simple is good. I mean, there's nothing, you know, there's nothing wrong with owning uh, all the lures in the world, but when it, comes to, when it comes to a tough tournament, you need to go, you need to fish those baits that you have the most confidence in, those baits that you have caught the most fish on in those, you know, at that time of year, whether it's middle of the summer and it's a drop shot, shaky head, Whatever, whatever you have the most confidence in, that's what you need to be throwing. Because if you're throwing, if you're out there fishing, you know, a tough derby, or out there fishing on a tough day, and you're trying something new that you've never even thrown before, chances are real good you are not going to have any confidence in catching fish on that lure. So right there, your attitude is going the wrong direction. Okay. You need to be throwing, you concentrate on whatever techniques, whatever baits that you have the most confidence that you can get a bite on. And that's one of the keys to any day on the water is you got to get out there and do what first? What's the first thing, when, when, you, when you get to the first place that you're gonna go, put the trolling motor down, <coughs> pick up a rod, what's the first thing that you wanna do? You're not supposed to. What's the first thing that you, there you go, who said that? You're the man, get a bite, catch a fish. That first fish can tell you everything, all right? Now, when you go for a couple of hours without getting a bite, that can tell you something too, okay? But that you've got to get a bite. Whether it's on the bottom, whether it's on the top, whether it's in between, you need to get a bite, okay? The way that you do that is by fishing your confidence lures. And you need to, one of the things that you need to do is you need to have, hit the next one. These are some of mine right here. When I, got, when I got thinking about this, when I got to think about the different baits that I use in tough situations, I, mean, I went to tackle boxes and pulled out specific baits and just spread them out across the floor. And I got to thinking, okay, if it's tough, you know, if it's a tough bite and I feel like the fish are gonna be, you know, oriented or they're gonna be looking up towards the, the top, What's the first thing that I would go to? What am I caught the most fish on? Okay, if it's uh, you know if if fish are going to be in between, you know they're not going to be on top, they're not going to be on the bottom. Maybe they're going to be suspended. Maybe they're just going to be scattered. 
up and down rocks or something, what am I going to throw in that situation? Then I thought, okay, what if they're pegged in the bottom or tied up against cover and I've got to fish real slow and real methodical? So these are some of the baits that I pulled out of my boxes to, uh, to show you. This is a pretty good representation of what I'm going to have in the boat to go anywhere and fish a, a tough turn. First one up here at the top is a little eighth ounce War Eagle muzzbait. Nothing special. It's just a black eighth ounce buzzbait. Um, it's got a little um, zoom uh, swimming super fluke junior trailer on. Alright. I could with this bait I can cover a lot of water. It's a buzzbait. I can chunk it out there, I can wind it back, I can cover a lot of water, and it will catch 12-inch fish, it'll catch five-pound fish, and everything in between, okay? I can get bit with that. This, uh, you can see this is a, a quarter right here in the middle. These are uh, five little crankbaits that, in a tough tournament, I am not going to be without, okay? The first one you can see is not much bigger than that quarter. And you can get a quarter out of your pocket and look at it and see, that's a pretty small crankbait. This is a little Norman Deep Tiny N. It is a pain in the butt to throw because it is so small. But it will get bites. They sell it, they sell it as a crappie crankbait because it's so small. Okay? But if you've got to catch 12-inch bass, this dude will catch 12-inch bass. I mean, if that's if that's the size fish that you have to catch to do well that day, this little dude right here will catch it. Now, it'll catch bigger ones. And it'll catch three, four pounders, too. But it will put five keepers in the boat if they're on crankbait. Uh, this is a uh, deep baby in, a little bit bigger, dives a little bit deeper. And you can see that one's, uh, all, all these lures are, they, they've had the hoodoo beat out of them. I mean, they've all been fished a lot. Because that's, I mean, that, when I was thinking about this topic, I mean, that's what I did. I just got a box out and flipped it open and went, yep, caught them on that one. Yep, caught them on that one. Okay. WCE1, you know that's going to be in there. This is a little Cordell Big O. And it's not, they make three different sizes. They make a little tiny O and a little medium-sized O and a bigger one. I don't know what the medium size one is, what the number is, but that's it. It's two and a quarter inches long. I do know that. Two and a quarter inches. It's very easy to throw. Dives to about four feet. It, like the deep tiny, will catch everything. Comes around, you know, if you, if you got to fish around cover, around rocks, wood, docks, it'll come around stuff very easy. The last one is uh, uh, a Norman Deep Lily. Everybody's probably got a deep little end, seen a deep little end. It is one of the best deeper diving crankbaits. You know, we go down to 10, 11 foot on a 10 pound line. When you got, you know, when you when you have to fish a little bit deeper to get bit, that's one of the ones to uh, that that I'm going to throw. Now, middle. You know, most of these I'm going to throw either. I'm, they're either going to be digging on the bottom. Or I'm going to be dragging it around something. A boat dock, brush pile, stump, whatever. In the middle, I'm going to have a little drop shot tied on. Okay? And I'm going to fish that. A lot of people, you know, think about fishing drop shot down the bottom. And that's, hey, that's, that's fine. But one of the things that I've seen is a lot of times late in the summer, early fall, fish get suspended up off the bottom. Suspended around big pods of shad. Okay. If you use your electronics, find those big balls of shad, get right underneath them with a drop shot. Get to where you can watch your drop shot go down and fish underneath those balls of shad. You can catch them with a drop shot. Uh, <coughs> swim bait is another bait that you can, it, it's actually a very versatile bait. Because, I mean, I can fish it, I can buzz it along the top, just like I do my little buzz bait, or I can put a jig head on it, fish it down on the bottom. Or I can swim it 
through the water column, halfway in between, wherever I need to. These right here are my uh, bottom bumpers. Of course, a little shaky head, a little squirrel head with a uh, shaky uh, zoom shaky tail worm, a uh, zoom Z Hawk Jr., a little 316 quarter ounce weight, and then a uh, jewel uh, magnet casting jig. These two are what I used on the Delaware last year. And when I went in that creek, I went in throwing a crankbait. <coughs> so I could see all these laydowns. And my laydowns were everywhere. And I caught fish. You know, I caught three or four fish on my crankbait going back in this creek. I thought, hey, this is going to be all right. So I wheeled in there first morning of the tournament and start throwing my crankbait around and don't get a bite for an hour and a half. Nothing. Fish through all these beautiful laydowns. And I'm thinking, this ain't good. This ain't real good. But I'm thinking, okay, I know that they're still in here. I didn't catch them all. You know, there had to be more than four fish in here. They got, you know, they didn't swim 10 miles or whatever back out to the main river. They got to be right here, right here in this little stretch of laydowns. So after I went down with my crankbait, picked up my little jig and turned around and went right back through it and caught six <coughs> and left. Now, it would have been very easy for me to fish through there with my little crankbait, not get a bite and say, I can't catch them, they're not biting. But instead, I said, okay, they're not biting a the crankbait. They must, I can catch them on something else. I didn't even have a jig laying out on the deck. I had three crankbaits and a buzzbait or something laying out on the deck. That's all I had. One planted on a fishing jig. Had a, you know, I had one tied on, but it wasn't. You know, in the on deck circle. I had to go back to the clubhouse and get it. All right? So, just because you go through an area that you know you caught fishing, that you know fish are there, you go through there throwing your little crankbait, your little spinnerbait, your little swimbait, you know they're there, stop, put something else on, turn around go back through it figure it out and this I mean this is a prime example about if, if you're in an area and you know that you know you know, you know that they're there there's no reason for them to leave they've got cover they've got food they've got a place to hide you have to figure out what to do to catch them the easiest thing is to throw everything in the boat okay Take your little time, we'll just take, take, take the tackle box out, throw it out there in the water and say, okay, what do you want? Pick something, okay? That's what you need to do, seriously. But this, hang on, hang on, this, I mean, this, this selection is, I mean, I know that if I go in an area that I know has fish on it, there's something right here one of these lures, one of these techniques, I know I can get bit on this, okay? And I'd be, I'd be willing to bet that if you go home, sit down in your boat, sit down in front of your tackle boxes, and just open them up and say, I can catch them on a Cinco. I can catch them on this spinner bag. If you go through there and pick out Four to five things. And one thing that you need to keep in mind is you need to cover the water column from the top all the way to the bottom. Everything, you know, everything in between. You got to keep that in mind. Okay? I have a question. Yes? Why the 1-8? I get more bites on a little 1-8 than I do on, uh, you know, a quarter or 3-8. I'll get bigger bites on the 3-8s. 
I mean, I've got, I've got two sizes of buzz baits. A little bitty one and real big ones. Okay, and really, I, I don't throw a whole lot in between. Okay, because I either want to just get bit or, I mean, buzz bait is one of those things where you need to catch a lot of fish on it with a, with a small one or you can throw a bigger one and typically catch big fish. So, you know, I, in, in these situations, man, I'm just trying to get a bite. That's, that is all in the world I want to do is get a bite. I haven't heard any of you mention a spy bait. Is that something you ever go to? If I'm fishing in Japan, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've never been to Japan, so the answer to that is negative. I'm not saying that. Um, you know, I actually bought some and played with them a little bit because that's, you know, if something new comes out, I'm a sucker for it, just like, just like a lot of other guys. Uh, I've never, I don't know that I've ever caught a fish on. Uh, I, I am sure in, you know, in really clear, you know, in really clear, really high pressure situations, I, I can see that being, uh, you know, I, I can see it working, um, but I, I haven't caught much. Yes, sir. So I guess basically when conditions get tough, you want to downsize everything. You know, that's a very good question. When conditions get tough, you want to downsize everything. Not necessarily. Now there's times, I mean, there's times when actually going big can work in your favor. If you're... You know, if you're somewhere, well, I mean, let's say you're down on the upper Chesapeake where you know there's just scads of four and five pound fish. And you know they're there, okay? They may be hard to catch, but you know they're there. That's one of those situations to where, where, I mean, if you just, you know, if you're fishing a tournament and you aren't worried about catching limit, you just want to catch five you know, you, you want to catch five of the biggest, okay, then, you know, I would, a lot of times, I would go big. Whether it's, you know, flipping a big jig, you know, whether it's fishing a big swim bait, throwing a big crankbait, and just, and not worrying so much about getting five as getting big ones. Because you're throwing okay. something different, right? Because you're throwing something different. Okay. Um, you know, I guess the Chesapeake can stand up, and uh, you know, tournament fishermen, regular fishermen. Yeah, and and the uh, Upper Chesapeake is kind of a unique area because so many people fish kind of the same stuff. Okay, and we see that, and you know, the Potomac's the same way. You know, there's key areas, there's certain areas on any any tidal. Uh, body of water. There's certain areas that obviously the fish congregate in, whether it's because there's grass there, the current's right, the water depth is right, whatever. Uh, and those fish see, I mean, they, can, they get conditioned. They get conditioned to boats, they get conditioned to get caught. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, that, I, I firmly believe that a lot, of, a lot of fish get conditioned to what your transducer sounds like on your depth. Okay? Because I mean, I don't know how many of you ever stuck your head underneath the water while your transducer was going on, but it makes some noise. I mean, there's a little popping, clicking noise there that's going all the time. It never shuts off. Okay? And if you got one on the front of the boat and one on the back of the boat, well, they're both tick, 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 tick. And then if you got structure scan, side imaging, or whatever, you've got another transducer back there that's going boop, 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 boop. So you've got, a, I mean, there's a lot going on just with your electronics terminal, okay? Somebody asked in the earlier session about uh, HydroWave. I first started using the HydroWave because I, my thought process was if there's something that I can use to mask or hide the sound of the boat, trolling motor, the bilge pumps. If there's something that, that emits or that, that transmits a more natural sound 
to try and mask. It's almost like, I, I was thinking of it more as like camouflage. You know, something that can mask the sound that my boat was making. That I'm thinking that's got to be a good thing. Okay? Um, several of the tournaments that I've won, I firmly believe is because I got in an area, small area, and turned everything <coughs> in the boat off. Turned the electronics off. Turned, you know, my hydrowave on. Just, you know, not loud, just enough to hide the sound of the boat. Okay? And I firmly believe that I did well in those tournaments because I did those things. I wasn't beating and banging around in the boat, shutting lids, you know, sitting around, yelling, screaming. Because, it, you know, in those situations, particularly in those situations where maybe you're in a small area, a confined area, shallow water, uh, or those days when it's dead slick calm. Well, I mean, whatever you're beating and banging around on in the boat is going to get transmitted. And in areas that you fish and places that you fish in that see a lot of angling pressure, I have no doubt that the fish that we're all fishing for, I mean, when they, when they hear that pinging, I mean, they know that that's not normal. That's not right. Okay? And I... I mean, how, have you, how many of you ever, ever fish reservoirs in the summertime where there's a lot of skiing traffic, boating traffic? Same thing, huh? That uh, Wednesday, Thursday bike is great. Saturday, after about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, yeah, the bike's not so good, all right? Because you got all that boat traffic going on. This, it's, that's the same, same thing we got going there, okay? Yeah. So, last thing, execution, okay? This is being out on the water, getting the job done, okay? And this is no time to be clownfish, okay? This is, you, I mean, you know what you need to do. You gotta get out there, you gotta get bit, okay? You wanna be as efficient Use as much. You've only got, you know, if you're fishing a tournament, you've only got eight hours. All right. The less time that you spend goofing around, the more time you have to fish. In these extremely tough tournaments, you have to be extremely efficient with your time. Um, you know, these are some of the things that I do. I make sure that the that the rods, the reels that I'm going to use that day, all have fresh line on them, make sure that I tie good knots, because we've all heard about, you know, the one that, the one that my buddy broke off and lost turns, okay, or he kept breaking his line because he didn't put new line on his reel, that sort of thing, you don't want to be that guy, all right, make sure your hooks are sharp, make sure that you put sharp hooks on, um, Make sure your batteries are charged. It's little stuff. I mean, all this little stuff right here can ruin. I mean, it, this is the kind of stuff that on a really tough day, hey, you're sunk. Okay. I mean, you, you don't, you, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to mess up a day just because you forgot to plug your batteries in night before. It's real simple. This is pro These two right here are something that we don't think about. Getting enough sleep and eating enough. <coughs> can be equally important, okay? I mean, when you're out there and it's hot, I mean, you need to make sure that you're drinking all day long. And you get, you know, you get busy, you get focused, but it's one of the things that you need to do to keep your brain working. Um, make every minute count, concentrate, don't try not to miss a single fish. I mean, if your goal going out in the morning is to catch every single bite that you get, you're doing good. Yes, sir? What time of the night do you shut them down going to sleep? You know, that's a very good question. What time of the night do you, uh, it depends. You know, it, it depends. I like to, I like to be in bed on the tournament night by 9.30, 10 at the latest. 
Okay, doesn't always work out that way, but I mean that's I, for me getting you know six and a half seven hours of sleep is you know I, I can function and function well on that. Uh, the problem problem that you run into is when when we have multiple events or back to back events because it's you know it's not incredibly hard to do that for seven days but when you start doing it for 14 days 21 days without you know without a day off you know without a day that you can just veg and chill then it gets tough and what you know what you have to understand is you know, even, even the guys that don't fish all four days, say an elite event, well, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, if it's a back-to-back -back event, usually, you know, I mean, they got to load up and drive five, six, eight hours to the next one and get ready to go again on Monday morning. So there's, you know, there's a lot going on. And it's... Uh, you know, like I say, a, a week of it, and at the end of the week, you're pretty tired. Two weeks, you know, if you go 14 straight on that 15th day, yeah, you're, you're pretty big. Yes, sir? Um, you touched upon this earlier. Can you just elaborate a little bit more um, about practice? Mm -hmm. um, how would you approach practice a week before a one-day tournament? And how would you approach practice um, a multi-day tournament days before the tournament? Okay, how would you approach practice a week before a tournament, and then how would you multi-day tournament the week of? Okay, um, a week before, if I, if I was going to go, let's say that I had a tournament next Saturday, and I'm going to go fishing tomorrow, okay? If I'm going to go fishing tomorrow, I'm going to be looking for an area that I can get big in. You know, I'm not. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go in an area, and let's say I go in an area and catch catch a fish off of, uh, say, I catch him off a frog. You know, on the edge of some lily pads. But I want to know what else is in that area, okay? Other than lily pads, is there some grass in there? Is there some kind of you know, is there a creek channel in there? I want to know. Okay, this is where they're at right now, and that's that's probably the hardest thing to do, but. Once, once you kind of get a feel for it, I mean, it can help you greatly. Yes, you go in this area, you go in a particular area, and you catch fish off of laydowns, all right? They're right up on the bank, real tight to the laydowns, okay? You go back to your tournament the next Saturday, and the water's come up, or the water's gone down. Well, they didn't pack their bags and leave. They're somewhere in there, okay? Then they slide down to the tips of the laydowns because the water went down? Or, if the water came up, did they move up and scatter out in the grass that's along the edge of the lake, okay? So I'm looking, I mean, I'm looking for areas to fish in, not so much techniques, okay? And any kind of, any kind of pre-practice that I do, whether it's, you know, for an elite or whatever, if I'm going there a week in advance, a month, you know, we can't go there a week, but if, you know, if I'm going there a couple of months in advance, I'm not looking for specific techniques or specific cover, structure, none of those options. I want to get fit, yes. And I want to catch some fish because I want to see what size fish are in that area, how aggressive they are, are they, you know, are they fat? Are they moving skinny rounds? You know, that sort of thing. You know, I kind of want to know that. But as far as what they're specifically on, I, I'm not as worried about that. Now, the Monday, the Monday, Tuesday, before an elite event, I'm going to go back to those areas, you know, whichever ones I think are the best, and, and try and get a feel for, okay, it's a month later, two months later, whatever. <coughs> What are the fish on right now? Okay? Now I'm trying to dial it in as far as techniques, specific cover, okay? Maybe even specific lures. But 
you got to be careful because from Tuesday to Thursday, things can change. From Wednesday to Thursday, it can change. From Thursday morning to Thursday afternoon, it can change. Okay? So, you know, if you, if you roll in there Tuesday... Oh, yeah. You are. It, it depends on... Mississippi River, Fort Madison, I didn't want to catch a fish. Didn't care if I caught a fish or not. Just getting a bite was good enough for me because I knew, you know, I knew from seeing the weights, you know, historically there that, hey, five a day, if you catch five a day for four days straight, that's a big deal there. That's, that's huge, obviously. Um, but now someplace like we go up to Oneida or go up to St. Lawrence River, well, I mean, five a day is not squat. Man, everybody catches five a day. But that's a whole different ballgame. If, I mean, if I know it's going to be an ultra tough tournament where it's just going to be hard to catch five, I might catch one in an area and leave. Now, that's not to say that I won't continue fishing, fishing a jig with the hook cut off something like that and get a couple more bites. But I'm not gonna get very many because I don't wanna show all the fish in that area. You know, I don't wanna fish every single lay down in there because I don't wanna show every single fish in that area the same thing, okay? I don't wanna do that, okay? <laughs> so in a non-tournament situation, in the weekend you're at the time. Yeah. What is the best time of day for me to maximize fishing? What is the best time of day? That depends. That it depends a lot on the time of the year. Okay. Um, I would say spring, early summer, early morning for the most part. You know, if you can get out there, the first four hours a day could be the best all day long. Um, late fall. <coughs> Winter time, the last four or five hours of the day. Got a little sun on the water, it's warming things up a little bit, particularly on sunny days. Not so much on cloudy days. Sunny days, usually that afternoon bite can be the best, okay? I, 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 that's about the best. It, in spring, early spring, it can be the same way, okay? Those last four or five hours, a little bit of sun, and that's the you know, that's the time that I will go shallow. It's those last four or five hours of the day. That's when I'm going to get shallow. Yes, sir. Back in the back. Yep. You mentioned fishing the columns. Um, would you say, would you start with three top water peaks and then maybe three mid and then three bottom? Or do you just go top, uh, mid, bottom, and then come back again? How, how, do you, how would you do that? You know, that's a good question. How do you figure out whether to fish on the top, fish yeah, in the middle, fish, fish on the bottom? Yeah. If I get every area that I go to, okay, let's say I go in this creek and I, and I see a, a you know a, a creek bend there that's got a little bit of everything, I'm gonna fish that entire bend with everything, top to bottom, until I get a bite. Let's say I don't get a bite there. That's okay. There's another there's another bend right up around the corner. Another creek, whatever. Yeah, that kind of hurts, doesn't it? I'm going to go into the next one and do the same exact thing. Top, <coughs> middle, bottom. Somewhere in there, I'm going to get a bite. You know, I'm going to make one bite. And then when I get that first bite, and it could be, you know, it could be on a totally different bait than I threw that it, oh, back in the first creek or in that last bait. Okay? A lot of times what I'll do is when I get a bite here, Let's say I get a bike here flipping a jig, and I didn't flip a jig in this last one. I, I, I flipped a little piece of, you know, a, a little Z-hog in there, a soft, something soft plastic. I'll go back to that other one with my jig and see if I can't get a bike. And see if they're tuned in maybe more to a jig than just a piece of soft plastic. I mean, that's, that's the little details that make the difference between having a so-so day and having a really good day. Okay. All right, welcome back 
to Bass You Live. That was Kevin Short on Fishing Tough Conditions. And guys, that was kind of the theme of what we talked about today is the tough conditions that are going to be faced with at the Chesapeake Bay Open. And sometimes it's pretty much the theme of fishing in the fall. The fall is a really dynamic time of year. Things are changing fast and the fish are moving. So you got to be able to fish under those tough conditions. We we have a, a fall fisherman on our crew. Scott, you are a a fall time of year guy right like you you oh, like absolutely. fishing in the fall yeah it's frogtober for me you know you find a your favorite uh stream or lake and throw a uh, a horny toad out there or a popping frog under any overhanging vegetation it's game on oh All yeah first three weeks in october are my favorite time of the year hey fish can be caught it's definitely a tough time of year but you know what they're still out there they're still swimming around you can definitely catch them Everybody who watched the show, thank you for tuning in. If you're listening on iTunes podcast or your Android podcast streaming app, whatever you listen to it on, please leave us a review and let us know how we're doing. We want to hear from you. We appreciate all of our listeners. We appreciate all of our viewers and all the companies that help us make this thing possible. Until next time, this was Bash University Live. You can catch us next Tuesday. Same time, same place, 11 a.m. from the Tackle Direct Studio. We'll see you then.